Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. It's the 6th of April, 2023. This is Jim Hedge from Digital Always Media and Christine Chackinger from Sites Without Walls. Christine, how you doing this week? I am good, but it's never going to be warm again in Vegas. It's still started at 40 degrees today. It's supposed to be like 70. <laughs> oh, you poor things. Um, nah, it, you know what? I promise it'll warm up. It is it uh, Today is, in fact, the first day of real spring in uh, in the uh, northeast of North America. Um, yesterday was insane from Michigan all the way over to, to New York State was uh, one big storm. Um, even further east was uh, was ice storms and stuff. And now everything's calm and beautiful. Um, uh, uh, somewhere above double digits in Celsius, which is got to be awfully warm in Fahrenheit. Um, <laughs> Don't and ask yeah. me to translate. I will not be able to. And it's almost looking green out there. Yeah, you know, our pools opened this week and the high yesterday was 55. So Jeez, we're, we're a little are, behind. Our skating rink's just closed. Yeah. So there you go. We're going to go straight to 115. There'll be no spring in between. Well, and that's kind of the way of the world these days, isn't it? Acceleration it is. culture. Yeah. yeah. And we see that in so many aspects of our lives, especially our technical life, like the one that we're living and working in. Um, folks, this is going to be a show about AI. Why? <laughs> because that's the way it is these days, because AI is everywhere. No. Um, AI is there, is going to, is everywhere, and it's there to, you know, make our lives much, much, much easier or and for some people make our lives much, much harder. Um, we're getting a lot of stories dealing with AI. Before we get into those, I wanna mention that for uh, SEOs and content marketers, you can say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data, introducing audience key technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, ranking and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com to apply for a free trial today. Huge thanks to Tom and the Audience Key family, folks. Um, use Audience Key for content creation, deployment and um, uh, 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 contextualization, you will be rewarded. It is a great tool. Okay. Um, <laughs> it really is. I'm not joking. I, I, I feel like that Mojo Nixon song, Elvis is everywhere. AI is everywhere. And yeah. it's permeating every bit of a, uh, 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 well, if it's digitalized, um, AI has, has, has a piece of it. Um, before we get into a lot of the stories that, that, that we're covering this week, 
One of the things that has been perplexing me the most about in talking about AI is how truly dull and boring the greatest success stories of AI are. Because they're doing things that are dull and boring. <laughs> totally, totally dredge work. But doing it so well that we're making advancements in, in, in medicine, in agriculture, in um, uh, uh, research that, 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 that non-governmental organizations do to help um, uh, plan out large funding regimes. Um, there's extraordinary things that AI is helping people with, but most of those things are dreadfully boring. And you're never going to hear <laughs> about them. Very true. Um, I do. I do a lot of political work um, uh, in my in my spare time, uh, and I've, I I I saw a research grant of um, a AI. Um, how to say this without say, without without giving too much away about an about a NGO that is using artificial intelligence to teach farmers um the very 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 best crops for the specific soil conditions uh in their specific areas given the input of um dozens of years of climate data um extraordinary stuff anyway i wanted to, i wanted to mention that before jumping into many other stories just because <laughs> Some of the uses of AI that are out there are so complex. And again, doing things that are really boring. It's like writing a routine that takes like um, days of work and packs it into half an hour. Um, AI is a lot like that. So nobody wants to talk about the great the jobs that it's doing that are just again, so dull, you don't want to describe them, but it's doing them. Those, those are the jobs that I think are just really essential for, for us to, um, to, 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 to build on uh, and rapidly accelerate on, on successes. And then sometimes uh, chatbots do awful things. An example is, um, ChatGPT making up fake Guardian articles. <laughs> this is the funniest story of the day, I think. So could you imagine waking up and um, seeing your byline and it don't not really remember writing something, but the headline was sounded like something you might write? <laughs> there were uh, Guardian was being asked about articles that authors had supposedly written, sending the titles of the articles, but the articles didn't appear to exist, and that's because ChatGPT is not a search engine. And when people used it, it created fake article names that with similar titles to what the author would have author would have used, but the article didn't actually exist. So, so. someone's doing research, there, which is you know uh, uh, a completely good use of AI. And in their research, the AI dug up a Guardian article that had never actually existed, but it got put together by the AI because according to the AI, it would have existed. This is like the million monkeys getting together with a typewriter thing, right? Called hallucinations. 
that just oh. keep making stuff up. So I guess this is what this is one for the students out there. Triple check your work when you're using a chatbot to do research. Um, I shouldn't use it for research. Oh no, you should use it for research. You absolutely should, but you no. need to check it's, it's just like it's just like when we used to go to the reference libraries in the days before the internet no christine <laughs> okay christine christine do you remember do you remember the days before the internet when you used to have to go to the library and go through the file cards and you'd have to literally go through fiche or tons and tons of books or magazine articles and you'd only come out with two or three pieces of gold but you had to look through hundreds of different references? Yes. ChatGPT can save you all of this time. You still got to look at the references, but it can gather them all for you. It well, can save you hours of that process, hours and hours and hours of exhaustive looking for stuff or, on the internet. But you got to check better. everything still because that's what researchers got to do. There's something even better. What's that? A librarian. Well, no, it doesn't work. Out. There's not there's not there's there's far more students than there are available librarians. And, you know, but the point, um, the point being is it's not students leave it to the last second. You're talking about summarizing something. This is this is different than research. So we well, no, no, no. Research. Well, the, the other the other thing you do is you don't take the research notes and make them your essay. You don't do that. You use you use the research to guide your efforts forward but you don't right. the research isn't the facts the research is you doing the work right i just wanted to clarify in the united states if you say research that means like what you searched and compiled for your paper sure so, yeah so we just want to be real big people understand and this is article is a great way to do that is chat gpt is predictive text with semantic embeddings which means it's not doing lookups on the internet for information so in this case it just made up articles that would have fit what the person was trying to research so the citations were erroneous so they didn't exist so make sure anything you pull from chat gpt you either know it well enough to know what's true and false or you like as jim just said you go out and actually look at all the reference documents and you pull your information from there yeah, and chat not from chat gpt straight away chat gpt will give you a bunch of different directions to look at that's what it's there for it pulls everything up that's ever been written about a subject um, and then it'll, you know, rewrite it for you if you ask it to, or it'll just light, list citations if you ask it to. But um, also, <laughs> it also tends to put out um, a lot based on what you put into it. So if you put in the question, answer it for me, it'll try to do that. That's not a good idea. <laughs> no, it should only be the best use of a chat GPT as an assistant. It's it's an assistant that like the assistant junior, you know, your junior research assistant who doesn't know a lot yet, brings in a bunch of things to read and you go, oh, this is good, this is good, this isn't good. That's a good way to use it. Not going, hey, junior research assistant, make me a paper and now I'm going to just rewrite it and turn it in. That is a bad way to use chat GPT. Because unless you know the topic really well, you could be getting fake information. And if you put in fake citations into a research paper in college, uh, you could actually wind up in front of like a disciplinary board. So well, um, go do that. In some cases, uh, for what it's worth, in some cases, it might be really good for people to end up in front of disciplinary boards frequently. <laughs> it will increase the value of the sheepskin you got hanging on your wall. Not for the it person is. in front of the disciplinary board, but for everybody else who didn't cheat. 
it is funny though that the Guardian had to go research like where these articles supposedly were because the people that wrote in thought that they may have just been removed from from Google or something. And no, they just didn't exist. (laughs) Every other article ever written is still in Google's index, but the one you're looking for was removed. It it always happens that way, right? Exactly. Okay, so some places, Italy, for example, have, are taking to actually banning um, chat GPT. based on worry of, of its potential potential um, uh, impact on society. Um, and violations of their personal data laws, of course, too, because we don't have many personal data laws here in the, this country, but EU and, and countries in Europe and around the world have very strong data laws. And so they said OpenAI did not inform users that they collected personal data, did not provide legal reasons for collecting that data um, to train its algorithms, uh, did not and, and inaccurately um, processes personal information inaccurate, inaccurately without the use of real facts and did not verify age requirements, which means they have to be um, over 13 with consent and 18 without consent. So when a nation state bans chat GPT, what does that mean? If a jurisdiction, say the EU, um, 30 different nation states, or sorry, uh, 27 different nation states decides to ban chat GPT, effectively, what does that mean to chat GPT? Well, I know it means that people can't use it because that's where the personal data was collected, but they also used it for people's personal information for training. So it says that, um, I'm going to have to read it straight from the uh, article if I can find it, <laughs> but I don't know if it's blocking the training, I guess is my, the question I have and I have to, would have to find. And then, and this is, this is where I think the, uh, last week we talked about a, uh, petition that had been um, circulated um, and signed by many of the people, in fact, who were founders of or are currently critical researchers on on large-scale AI um, and large-scale language models, um, calling for a moratorium, a six-month moratorium. Um, Italy itself and and, and possibly other other places in in the EU are talking about, like, banning chat GPT and again um, does that mean banning use of or banning use of materials from say state archives for teaching uh, 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 the, 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 the model so so the, part, oh, okay. so the, the point I want to get at is the real my real worry about um, chatbots is what they learn off of if they learn off the open web, then they're very quickly going to learn misfact. And a chatbot, I don't think, really has. I don't know if that. I mean, maybe artificial, maybe artificial intelligence does somehow have the ability of discerning um, fact from misfact That's misinformation. Right I'm not positive if they do, and if they do, right I'm now. not positive how they'd be able to do that. Um. But it's what the language model is trained on. It occurs to me that's where it makes the real difference. If you can train it on absolutely verified, um, certifiably true, uh, I don't, I don't even know what certifiably true means anymore. Yeah, there's nothing. Um, <laughs> there's nothing certifiably true. 
they're facts, but there's not sort of suitable truth. Um, yeah, there's not certifiable truth. Um, yeah. But there are agreed upon facts. The world is mostly round. It does go around the sun. Um, we know that to be true-ish, to be true. Yes. The reason um, why it does all that, we, we have theories on, and those are where you can differ. So well, there's factual information, and then there's theoretical. Even gravity is still a theoretical concept. And, 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 and just how hard it is for us to describe this concept alone is um, testament to how difficult it is to um, describe what a large scale, large language model should and should not learn from. So Italy's banned chat GPT. And Italy made its uh, laws based on the GDPR, mm -hmm. which is the privacy law that governs anyone who works with websites knows that annoying pop-up, will you allow cookies? That's the GDPR, it's governing data privacy. Yeah, so in, 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 in the European Union. Yeah, so if it loses in Italy, uh, the GDPR um, could come into effect in the EU because it could come as a precedent. So um, because they're using those guidelines. So the ChatGPT, the other guidelines that it violates are ChatGPT stores user input, which we can talk about in a minute. Uh, OpenAI allows trainers to view ChatGPT conversations. So the training is done on the conversations you have on ChatGPT. And then OpenAI allows users to delete their accounts, but says they cannot delete specific prompts. So basically it means if it's been stored, it's been stored. So, um, so when you're putting that data in there, people need to be aware you're putting the data into the ChatGPT system and they are training on it. And there have been already just in the, since December when they released it or end of November when they released it, there have been leaks of that data. Um, well, there was a Samuel, Samsung, I'm sorry, Samsung somehow made a massive leak, eh? <laughs> yes, Samsung kind of goofed. <laughs> they leaked confidential information to ChatGPT. Now, it does appear that ChatGPT has put in uh, protections right now to try to find that information, but they can't take the information out. So, they uh, reportedly leaked sensitive confidential company information to OpenAI's ChatGPT on at least three occasions, and they were using it for source code assistance, and then uh, some confidential code for defective equipment, and then an entire meeting was submitted to Chatbot to create a meeting minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now again, it's very unlikely that the exact minutes of those meetings will be recreated by ChatGPT. It's more likely that the way things are worded will, and concepts that those words are sort of related to or attached to, will somehow filter their way into the greater corpses of how ChatGPT would phrase something relating to that topic. Well, and also you could do prompts to try to try to get it to repeat that information, but they have put placement. I know I've seen on Twitter today, multiple people trying to get Samsung info and they keep getting a, you know, one of those, we cannot do that prompts. And the thing is really sad is they had a restriction on employees that they only had lifted three weeks earlier on using ChatGPT. Okay, now had Samsung not found this and reported this leak, would that, would, well, I guess the world wouldn't know to, uh, create well, to try to um, look for that that data. Well, yeah, I mean, but it could come up accidentally. You're right. Some if someone hit on the proper terms, or, in their or it could just become part of a corporate espionage daily routine. Yeah, very true. 
prompt, prompt to see if so-and-so is talking to so-and-so every day. Yeah, exactly. And, and people, people might be like, oh, but this is, this can't happen to anything you put into chat GPT, OpenAI saves all the data from the prompts. So anything you put in there, that's why they tell you, they don't tell you strongly enough. Don't put sensitive information into these prompts because it gets stored there and it gets trained on that. So that means that information can show up later. So one reporter one day, this is a couple months ago, was wondering how his private number, which is not available, he didn't think online, got into ChatGPT because it was produced by someone who was, did a summary of him and sent it to him. And then I did a search for it being, you know, we do search for a living, so I find things pretty fast. It was on his, his LinkedIn profile. So he was not aware that it was on his LinkedIn profile, so I let him know. But so ChatGPT did train on the open part of LinkedIn, right? So those numbers, those phone numbers all exist. So it can accidentally come back when somebody searches for information on this person because they'd be semantically related. We have to keep reminding people it's not a search engine, but those would be semantically related because they found that person with that number, you know, they would associate them as a, as a, as a response. So anyway, so yeah, so just be careful because what you put in there is not private by any means. Um, indeed. So I'm, 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 my, my mind is still fixed on the corporate espionage uh, angle of all this. I think I've, I've, I think I've actually just discovered another business opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cyberhaven is a cybersecurity company, and it found that 3.1% of its customers who had used AI had at one point submitted confidential company data into the systems. So, well, I mean, if people are using it to do work shortcuts, how could, how, yeah. how could they avoid um not messing up unless you have your own closed AI system. Which is what Samsung is now developing. That could be absolutely revolutionary as well, by the way. Could you imagine AI inside of a, a closed intranet and just like how, um, how wild you could get with that fairly safely? Yeah, that's why, that's why I'm always, you know, people perceive me as being anti-AI. I'm not. I'm an anti how chat GPT was released into the public when there were restrictions or controls or guardrails. The fact of it being a, a valuable assistant to companies, to research agencies, to medicine, to science, to technology, to even someone writing a paper if they want to give it all the data that it researched to help it find, you know, themes and patterns. That's all good. This whole just throw it out to the public and just see what you can get it to do. I'm a little less thrilled about that. Also, I don't think it's a big help to search. I think it's a gimmick to put it in search because it doesn't pull back all the relevant information. It only pulls back the most popular information. So you probably are missing a big portion of what would be important about what you're researching because it's one, not going to pull that back. And I think, think they pull back. It's not going to generate that. One thing I noticed, I've been using um, u.com fairly uh, a lot recently. Um, not because I think u.com produces better search results, it actually doesn't. Um, but because u.com uses its version of chat GPT um, in the creation of uh, 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 search results, and I like what they're trying to do. What they will do is if you ask u.com a question in chat mode, um, it'll give you a explanation based on um stuff that it's drawn from the corpus of information that it's learned from and then the u.com search engine kicks in and pulls up uh related content on the side it's that related content 
that that's actually coming from search, not from the explanation given by the chatbot. That 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 the that the information I might be looking for is in, but the explanation given by the chatbot helps um, understand what the ten blue links themselves and the little descriptions under them might actually mean. That's how they're trying to use AI and present search at the same time. Sure. And that makes it, and, and interestingly, my dad is into some, you know, as very esoteric subjects. He's a stamp collector. Yeah. And uh, one of his fascinations is a memorial at Vimy Ridge to a, uh, a, a, a battle in, uh, in World War II that was actually fought on, on uh, uh, April the 7th. So just a, the anniversary of it, just a few days from now. Anyway, um, I, he asked the chatbot at u.com a question. I was showing him what AI looked like about a special way of processing stamps. And the number one result it brought up was uh, his stamp collection exhibit that he'd entered in a number of competitions. No one else in the world had written it that way. Oh, gotcha. I was trying to think about how that would work. Oh, very cool. It was actually really cool. Um, he got to feel like like a king for a second. And yeah. I got to go, hey, dad, you see how cool that is? That's very cool. Yeah. You must have been excited. Um, well, I was. But then we started talking about how they canceled those stamps. And half an hour later, I wasn't that excited anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. Oh, um, oh. So Google is, uh, do, do you remember a few months ago, how, how long has the AI revolution been going on now? It's, it, it seems like forever, but it seems like just yesterday. So it's probably been about six months. So I'm thinking three yeah. or four months ago, well, Google freaked out and called all the executives into the Googleplex and said, we got to get our act together. Although he denies that, I'll tell you. He denied that in an interview. That yeah. he called for the red, whatever, but I'm sure he just used different words than red. Um, yeah, I think I, I, Google says a lot of stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but apparently Google is reorganizing um, not just the way it presents search, but it's reorganizing its departments to better integrate AI into various products, search, email, etc. What do you think this means for Google? Like, like, um, is, uh, is I noticed that Google's shares were up today. Well, um, yeah, see, I think there's so much out there, like we talk about probably each week, that Google's way behind, but Google's not way behind. Google's been doing this stuff quietly behind the scenes for at least since 2018 when the dilettante article came out and um, they started using the BERT model, uh, which was the big advancement with transformers and large language models, which is what Google found and is what the basis of all this chat GPT is. So then mom already compiled video and text and summarized it and put it into the top of search results during COVID. That was a mom result. Um, they can already do a single answer. They won't do it because they have to make money off of ads. But they can already create a single answer from cit real citation 
real web articles and put them together and create an answer. So they've already done all this. They've been quiet. Like OpenAI needed money. So OpenAI did the whole big public release, but Google developed all the technologies that are at the base of all this. So um, I, I think they're doing it the responsible way is how they see it from when I, from when I read of his interview. And um, I think I have to tend to agree. They're, they're gonna be putting it into all their virtual assistant stuff. So language processing for translations. And um, you know, when you use, uh, gosh, I never use it, <laughs> assistant tool on your mobile. What's it called? Um, Google Assist, actually. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I never use it. But it's, they're doing it in a way, personally, for me, this is the way I see it should be really done, is they're making it an assistant to everything. So they don't plan on getting rid of their coders, although that's what they say, maybe they'll change, but they're gonna use it as to augment their coders to make their more productive. Where Bing has said, or Microsoft, not Bing, Microsoft has said they're trying to develop code that will eliminate their programmers. So, you know, there's different ways to do this, but um, it looks like they're just, you know, they're just gonna make sure that it is being used like an assistant throughout all their product lines, wherever it is capable of doing that. There's been a, how to say this, in the last um, 10 years or so, Google itself has feel, felt like it's become a very top-heavy, risk-averse, um, in a highly uninnovative organization compared to um, the way it used to be and compared to, to other organizations in its space. Um, I'm hoping that this reorganization will put some oomph back into Google and give give the remaining employees, because I, I think this will eliminate a whole bunch of jobs at Google, um, give the remaining employees um, not, a, not a push like Elon Musk would give them, like a fear push, but more of a, a new resources and capacities kind of push. Um, I agree with you absolutely that Google's probably being more responsible in the introduction and use of AI. You don't see uh, uh, Sundar Pichai walking around uh, talking about how Bard frightens him, like Sam Altman walks around talking about how ChatGPT frightens him. Right. Um, but I do think you see uh, Sundar Pichai walking around saying ChatGPT fr that frightens him too. Um. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's reason for that. Like when Bard came out, everyone's like, oh, it's not as good as ChatGPT. It wasn't, they didn't train it on programming. They didn't train it on any kind of code. There's all sorts of things they didn't train it on because basically all they're trying to do is put out a product because it's like, we got other things going on, bigger plans for this. And, you know, so they will integrate it into search at some, some time, he's saying, you know, in the interview, just like, you know, Bing has, but um, he's not creating new products. They're trying to make them augmentative products that businesses can use or people that use the internet will find helpful. Or when you pick up your mobile phone, your voice to text works because mine never does. Uh, for some reason they can't understand me. So it, they were there, that was their long-term plan. And they, they are very innovative on the research side, just not necessarily the application side. So like I said, they did develop the transformer, which is what revolutionized all of this. And ChatGPT wouldn't even be possible without the transformer. Um, you know, without BERT, there would not be ChatGPT. BERT was the first, you know, implementation of that. Now they're using Lambda, uh, MUM as well. So all these technologies they've produced in the research organization of 
Google has been great, but they haven't implemented them across products. And in search, when they've implemented them, it's been pretty wonky. Like they do AI page layouts and they're just horrendous and then they have to pull it all back. Uh, so I think there's just a, there's just like, there's a quiet guy in the room that's really doing all the big work, but you just don't know it because they're not talking about it. And then there's like open AI, there's like the loud guy in the room, it's had three beers. Hey, come see our product. Yeah, could it, could it destroy the world? Sure, but you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> One story I saw earlier today, I'm pretty sure it was at Search Engine Land. It could have been at Roundtable, but I'm sure, pretty sure it was Search Engine Land. Google is introducing um, an AI model that will help write and position ads in the, uh, in the Google Ads universe. Should uh, search engine marketers, people who deal in uh, in uh, cost per click and P and, P and uh, PPC, should they be worried? Um, I just I, oh, okay. I don't do PPC, so I'm just going to want to hear from other people in the industry. One, Google's automation process is a disaster um, for most people who know what they're doing. Like, if you don't know what you're doing, you might think it's doing a good job, but they're like, no, it's not. And I can't imagine a chat, however they're going to write it. Um, uh, chat, bard, however they do it, uh, it's going to have the emotional response that you need to get people to click through an ad. You know, because it's just it's just going to be mediocre tech. So could you use it if you had a bunch to get out today and you weren't really that worried about click through because you have no competition? Sure, but if you're writing for $100 a click CPC, I would not trust AI to write that. I'm also curious how it's going to um, write for two or three different companies competing in the same space selling substantially the exact same products. Um, that will be interesting to see how it differentiates between uh, between different different uh, advertisers here's a response and, and their offerings. Yeah, well, here's a response from one. Um, ad person, I won't use I won't use his name because we don't have permission. But um, an explicit explicative, can, did I say that right? Oh, that <laughs> I say that right. Word, right? <laughs> explicit. Anyway, uh, can all of this AI nonsense please stop immediately? Exclamation! 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 You can have it fast. You can have it good. You can have it cheap. Pick two. That's always true. I just want good. Someone wake me up when the AI has either destroyed the world or this fad is over. Thank you. And he has a full display of the AI creation tool for the ad and. Um, bunch of people replying the same. I, I find that PPC people are not happy about all this AI in search, in, uh, search ads. Well, if I was in PPC, I'd have I'd started feeling threatened a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. But I agree. I, I agree with what, what you were saying. Um, there's no, um, there is a art to writing good ad copy um, for AdWords. You only have, um, what, 15 to 20 words max, um, your space is really limited. Yeah. This is like, remember, remember how there used to be a, uh, uh, an art to writing a good tweet back, back in the days when uh, you had like, what was it, 120 characters or 240 characters? Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with AdWords. Um, there's a serious art to this. Um, Very much. And some people, uh, you have to write like this for years to get the knack. Um, and you know, maybe just maybe AI can do it better than most people, but I bet you there's some people who will unfailingly do, do it better than the than the AI. Um, Someone who's good at it for sure. I 
I wish I could find it right now because I just remembered it and I didn't pull it up for today. But someone put like an ad written by AI and then an ad written by a human. And it was like about some sort of like burger bun, but they made like a pl play on the words, you know, to imply mm. like an adult context to it. And the guy's like, now, which would you want? Which one's going to make you money? And he was right. The one that the human wrote would make money because, you know, AI bots, really machine learning bots at this point, um, you know, they, they don't really, they can tell you why something's funny, but they're not really clever. And if you want clever advertising or you want a motive about it, advertising, you want to encourage people to click through, you really need a human touch to that. Yeah, at least that's my opinion. No, absolutely. Um, it reminds me that the, 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 the other thing you need to worry about if uh, you're using AI in your ads is the um, set and forget uh, complex and problems that can come with the whole set and forget mentality. Um, there are certain events that might happen that might make you want to disassociate with certain words, concepts, keyword phrases, or terms. There are some days you might want to turn off advertising. Say you have um, ski packages in a ski resort that suffered a terrible avalanche. You'd likely want to change your copy for one day or two, for a day or two, just to, you know, be sensitive to the yeah. um, fact it was a terrible accident. If you have a set and forget mentality, often your ads just keep on running and you look like a jerk or your even worse, your client looks like a jerk. Yeah, and it has happened. We've seen big brands make those mistakes. So um, now maybe AI can uh, react to contemporary events quickly enough. Maybe it can't. Um, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> I'm inclined to say it won't react quickly. But again, yeah. the truth is I don't know. Um, I don't know how it would, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think that it could because it doesn't have that kind of presence. At some point, they're probably connected to the internet and that'll be a whole different thing. But Well, again, um, and that really scares me. Like, in, in one yeah. sense, I really want AI to be connected to the internet so we can get uh, definitive answers from it faster. At the, at the other time, I'm terrified of it being connected to the internet because I don't know how many actual definitive answers there are out there. Uh, there, there really are. That's why, that's why Google's never done. Like there was a controversy in the industry a few years back that Google was checking facts, and even the paper that someone posted about that, the conclusion was it would be way too resource intensive to ever do this. It's not possible because there's so many things that just aren't like we said. There's a fact, and then there's theories around the fact, and most of our world is discussing theories, feelings, emotions, objectivity, subjectivity around a fact. So As anybody with a broken online. cell phone screen will tell you, the theory of gravity is real, but it's just yeah. a theory. It's just a theory. Yes, exactly. So that's the problem with doing factual content. That's why Bing's approach to adding contextual links is at least good, but I still don't think it's good for search just because it only brings back the most common things talked about, which means you miss a lot of the details or the new information. So, Okay, this... Somehow, the, the when he was in a Bing adding contextual links just triggered me on to, to remembering this story. Um, and could you imagine? Like, like, like could, you, could you imagine a, a DDoS being done by AI actors? The the sure. staggering power that might that might that might have. Um, imagine if AI scrapers went after. Um, 
your uh, uh, your, your, your your chat your chat records and then started reaming through every link possible like what if you got swarmed by um by chat swarm by chat scrapers and guess who did it happened to Bing. well guess who left themselves wide open to it yeah they probably didn't even think about that being a possibility to be honest um but yeah yeah apparently they had to shut down uh part of um I don't know how much of the service, but I know they had to shut down the service. They had to shut down answers um, in search results during That's the it. during the yeah. attack. And when they did that, um, they released so much server capacity that their chatbot actually demonstrably sped up. So decoupling, taking the chatbot away from the massive corpus corpus of information it might dip, dip into to you know create complex answers to questions um because that was that was what was being scraped by the scrapers um allowed it to come up with really basic conversational stuff much much faster yeah it kind of reminds me and i don't know if you could still do it but in the early days of screaming frog or the cloud like if you put in too many threads you could take down your client site because it's like you're ddosing it kind of reminds me of that it looks like they probably went in and tried to get some information and wound up just hitting links and going 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 so, but apparently, yeah, they did have to shut it down because it was just taking up so much capacity. Yeah, I think, again, I think this was an organized, it's hard to say, like, like why somebody would do a big scrape like that. Um, you see this happen in your client logs. You can see this happen uh, with really weird looking direct traffic. Um, you get this massive spike in direct traffic one day. That could be a bunch of scrapers hoovering information out of, out of your website. There's a whole bunch of... Um, reasons why scrapers will show up and do something. So for the for the folks at Bing trying to understand why this was happening is as much as much part of solving the problem is as um, figuring out how to how to stop it from happening. Yeah. Um, and you see that I mean, like, do you ever get like really weird spikes in direct traffic um, suddenly from like somewhere nowhere Romania? Um, there's like a gajillion direct visits to your page. Oh yeah, it's happened on multiple sites over the history of me working in the industry. Sure. That's almost certainly a scraping activity. Yeah, definitely, They're definitely scraping activities. One time it was they were planting a JPEG with information in it, but that's a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know they do that anymore. And incidentally, when that happens, when you do see that activity, that's your node as a webmaster to go check out the website. Bing. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> By the way, anomalies are breadcrumbs to bad things usually. Don't ignore yeah. your anomalies. When you so, say like, I worked on a site where it's like the fourth most termed keyword. No one knew what it meant, but they never looked at it because it was just an anomaly, right? No. No, no, no. It was a porn site and they had an injection and blah, 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 and they were being hacked. And yeah, your anomalies are always keys to potentially bad things. Don't ignore them. So, uh, you know, Fabrice, next time you see us at a conference, we just, you know, saved your company. What was the drink? Okay. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> okay. You know what? We got time for some Google stuff. <laughs> we're going to actually talk Google stories? <laughs> we are. Google's doing some neat things. Um, I'm not so neat. But yes. So, and some not so neat. I, this is what I really like. Um, okay, first off, uh, SEOs, the way, how to say this, goodness gracious, 
as a search engine, Google is changing pretty rapidly. And in many ways, I like what it's trying to do. Um, I, I've been spending most of my time working in the e-com universe in the last few years. And so much of the way I look at SERPs, I'm looking at them like, how is this helping my e-com clients? So for all, all the academics out there, sorry, <laughs> I wish I cared. Um, I really do. But um, I'm thinking thinking a lot about, about how the SERPs look for, for commerce. And Google is, um, when they're moved, uh, a few weeks back, Google moved a whole bunch of energy out of review snippets and put them into um, showing more information with product schema. You can, and you can, you can, you can see the evolution of that if you go look in uh, in Search Console. Uh, you'll see a uh, little bit of review stuff drop off, and a few weeks later, you'll see a lot of product stuff take off. That doesn't mean you've gotten a whole bunch more listings. It just means there's more stuff that Google might show when it comes to product-related schema than than review snippets. Um, my, one of my clients was really excited until I explained to him, well, no, it's just that they're showing five data points here, where they're only showing one data point there. Yeah. Um, but one of the things Google's doing in product details in, uh, and, and this is experimental. Um, it was reported on by Barry Schwartz just today in, uh, in Search Engine Roundtable, but Barry was unable to replicate it. Somebody else just found it. It's called uh, Cheaper Options. Um, and uh, 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 e-tailers who have sales will love this. If you're providing um, pricing data, pricing schema, and you are cheaper than all your competitors on this cheaper options toggle, it looks like it's going to be a, a little toggle bar, you'll probably be able to end up in the you know top results. That's cool. That is cool. That is, and that's a good, that is a helpful thing. Often with the ad lately in the last couple of years, it's not really helpful. That, that is a helpful thing. Schema, 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 schema. Um, it's uh, getting this information to Google is so important. And so people who are not familiar with schema, they understand schema isn't a ranking factor, but what it does is you tell Google, this part of the page is a recipe or an article or a product price. And then it's much easier for it to understand that and return that to someone when they query. Google, yeah, it's, so. it's, it's not going to get you ranked second, third or higher, whatever, but it's going to enhance the way your listing looks in the search results. And yeah. even if it's, say you're the second or third result and somebody else is number one, but you got the most compelling result, you, you, you might earn the click. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. And I forgot to mention that part. So thank you for doing that. And then just in general, it helps Google understand your web page better. So when it's looking at the entity on your page, it knows it's for a recipe. So it makes it easier for them to bring it back for when someone searches for that word with a recipe as opposed to maybe an article. There's... So, and yeah, so it's very helpful for Google because it breaks down the data for them. It makes it easier to return it. So you're helping them. And then by you helping them, they can better return your site and the results. Yeah, yeah. Um... Or, <laughs> again, there's, uh, there's so many different ways that that schema can help you out, um, uh, related related products. Um, I love the related products. Uh, reviews, so it, of course, is huge. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's a it, it, it helps you return a trust mark that is visible in the SERPs. So the search engine user 
goes, oh my goodness, that's five stars. I got to click that. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, so cheaper options in a product detail overlay. That is, that's wonderful. That makes me, that makes me very, very happy. Um, what else did we have? Um, oh, we had the, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that, that hotel rooms in story format. Yeah. Um, so it's again giving more information to the search user. Um, hotel room and story format, flight flight price guarantee, and uh, new discover tools. That one I didn't. That part I didn't read yet. <laughs> At least you're honest. Um, well, indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so Google, just... Google helps you discover is adding new things to the SERPs to help you discover stuff on pages faster. Um, ticket information, direction information, admission prices, um, uh, directory reviews, etc. Um, all in sort of a, a, a navigation menu style, rather than drop downs or you having to actually go to the page and look for it. Yeah, and it'll also be in Discover. So there's a Discover format, a Discover version of this. And when we say Google Story, we mean New Story. We mean Google Story, the swiping up, where you get that extra information, not just yeah. the general word story. Yeah, there's so, Google Stories, and that seems like a good one, but then there's the Google Map expansion. It seems pretty funky. <laughs> what's, I, you know what? I have not hit that story yet. What that, what's that about? And what are they Google, trying to do? Google test local pack, click overlay of business profile, listing the search. I believe, I, I believe uh, Barry wasn't that thrilled with this one. Um, so it just pops up like if you click on something it pops up all this information instead of going to like you know showing you the, the in their new desktop it's hard to describe when you click on it it shows up the information like if you're in mobile and you get the, the business profile information mm -hmm. but then the really weird thing is if you're on the if you do the map and you roll over it it expands the map real big google's it, problem with local strange. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I cut you off. No, that's it. no, no, you're fine. I was just saying it's just strange. You have to Google's see it. The problem with it. local is that it has so much information to draw from. See, local search is all about like what's happening on Main Street. It's about the local businesses themselves. And think about the complexity of like a restaurant or a shoe store or anything that's along, along your version of Main Street. Um, there's a you know, you got map, you got directions, you got pricing details, you got individual images, you have like um, the menu items uh, for restaurants, uh, you have how the storefronts are arranged, parking options, there's so much information that you got to pack into um, any given listing about any given business. And Google's never quite solved how to do local listings properly. And so it just gives this jambalaya. It's, it's Google local reminds me of MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just in general, I, I'm sorry, but Google doesn't do really well on page layout when they start getting complicated. <laughs> like, yeah, they just don't. They just tired. They think just stuffing as much as you can in the page is helpful. Well, that's always so, been, that's always been their go-to solution, isn't it? Yeah, because they started with very simple design and they were very good at that. But when it gets complex. Uh, even though they have some of the best people in the world, I'm sure, uh, they don't handle that well. And then last year at Christmas, they were doing those AI page layouts where it's like, 
there's six lines of irrelevant products stuck in the middle of the page and listing number eight is now a thousand pixels down and it was just really bad. I like actually lately, uh, we mentioned this a few, few weeks ago that they seem to be going to a cleaner search results of late and they had been. So hopefully um, they're keeping those things in mind as they're going forward with these. Although the map, the map expansion thing is really weird. You have to read Barry's article so you can see a visual of it. And I don't know if it's better to have a pop-up of the local business than it going to the map pack and showing it to you on desktop because I don't really want a pop-up to read. You know, they're kind of always constricted and you always have to scroll and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. Right now it's not it's not rolled out everywhere. It's just a test, it looks like. So well, Google's um disinterest in the in the desktop user experience continues to show itself. That's yeah. my polite way of saying they don't give a damn. They just yeah, don't. but you know what? They might start because Bing's getting a lot of attention for its chat, which means even if it takes a very small percentage of search, that still reflects on their Wall Street, you know, reports. I was going to yeah. mention that actually. I was, and 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 we we actually do have have the show time. Um, I have as part of my services. Um, I will look at Bing, Bing Webmaster Tools, um, positioning, but writing for Bing, positioning for Bing, all that sort of stuff. But nobody cares. <laughs> Honestly, God, they just don't care. They care about Google. That's that's where where the vast majority of people's traffic comes from. That's true. But the last couple of weeks, um, undeniably, Bing has been like moving upwards in Search Console and uh, and. Uh, GA4 results, universal and GA4 results. Um, Bing is driving more traffic um, week after week. The interest is there, and people people are 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 demonstrably using it at least to get to my clients' pages. I think there's I think this has to become part of SEO services. Well, there's always like a for my personal observations, um, there always seems to be three stages to anything new. There's the hype phase, um, mm. which all the early adopters hot, you know, jump in. Then right after that, it's the almost early adopters like, yeah, I'm not going to jump in this month, but now everyone's using it. Okay, I'll jump in. But there's always this thing. And um, I don't think you've seen this today, but VR head headsets mm -hmm. are not selling. And um, they thought kids would take them up, but they don't want them. And so there's always this point where you have to hit the general public that doesn't care about what Google does. They're just looking in their phone, trying to find something. Do they switch to Bing because of this chat thing? Maybe, maybe not. So that's the we'll know. So like a year from now, we might know if it's made that crossover to the general user as opposed to just the early adopters and the almost early adopters. Well, I'm, I'm seeing like very strong results from those early adopters. Oh, yeah, and, they're, yeah. and they're lasting. It's it's not it's not like this is a yeah. one week thing that it's over. This, is, this has been going on for several weeks now. No, I agree. Just like with VR, though, right? Like the people who bought the VR sets are still buying them, but the people it never made the big expansion that the company needed to justify the investment. Well, so, uh, yeah, I mean, VR so, became became yeah. VR became a uh, uh, a victim of its own hype, eh? It did. So if this could be too, right? So it could be you'll get these early adopters, almost early adopters, and they'll stick with it. They they will use it. But do we expand past that? And then does Google and Bing decide, hey? Do we really need this? And because it is a very expensive resource to to do this chat model, it is not cheap. It is more expensive than search. 
So do we keep it in there for the 10% that might be using it for the 3% share we got from Google? Or next year, do we find out they got a 10% or a 15% share from Google? And you know, then of course they'll invest in it. So I think we're just, we're not at the point yet where we know if it's gonna be long-term past these early people that really are tuned into tech and tuned into search or tuned into technology, you know, technology online, that kind of thing. Well, two of the very early adopters in our industry, um, Brett Payne and Marty Weintraub, in the last two days, respectively, have each announced um, AI-enhanced or AI, entirely AI-based marketing services. We're going to try to get Brett or Marty or both to, to join us on Webcology on a future show. We, we don't have either booked yet. Uh, gentlemen, this is notice. Um, we're going to try to get them in because I'm really curious. What does this mean? Uh, what does it mean to, for the clients? What does it mean for the agencies? Um, and what does it mean for the future of marketing? Very true. Very true. And I don't know, Marty has... Uh, Marty revolutionized um, social media marketing at least once in his career. Well, sure. So, I mean, the, the, you always hear about the metrics like Cambridge Analytica used, but people were using that in social for years before that ever happened because it was so good. And Marty's one of the ones who kind of revolutionized how all that worked. Well, yeah, I'm, actually, I'm pretty sure that Inadvertently, not not directly. Like, I've never heard oh, about yeah, directly. No, no. But inadvertently, I'm pretty sure Marty taught Cambridge Analytica everything they know. Oh yeah, definitely inadvertently. <laughs> Let's not combine those. But I'm just saying that it was very powerful for marketing because, like, I'd have small clients who didn't have much money to invest, and I'd use some of those things that Marty, you know, talked about strategies Marty Marty talked about, and they worked really well. And I could get there a lot of business using fifty dollars ads. So. Yeah. And then Cambridge Analytica just came along and, you know, they exploited what was out there for the marketing industry. Um, but, uh, but so yeah, he definitely did because that was huge. Like his talks on that were incredible. Well, we've, we've had Marty on Webcology a couple of times. I would love to get him back on again because he's easily one of the most dynamic and, uh, and, and fun guests you, you could possibly have on the air. But uh, speaking of being on the air, Christine, we've gone full circle. Got oh my all, gosh. Yeah, it's uh, top of the hour, got all the way around the clock. Um, before we go, I want to drop another another hit for uh, for audience key, much as much the same one as I, I did before. But SEOs and content marketers say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing audience key technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. For your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep, visit audiencekey.com today to apply for a free trial. And again, thanks to Tom and the audience key uh, family. Oh, in one yeah. breath. <laughs> I did that. You know what? I did that. Yeah. Thank you for hearing that. That was all in one breath. <laughs> you did. Um, so again, we've gone around the circle. We've gone around the clock. And uh, be uh, friends on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Be kind to each other. Rank well. Be, be good. Do good to your clients. And stay tuned. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.